Okay, well, we're starting a new series. You'll have had the cards. Vision. You know, in this country, there is something of a crisis going on at the moment, a crisis of authority and integrity. Isn't that right? Around us, we see authority that has lost integrity. So the police, for instance, are beleaguered with court cases and revelations of their lack of integrity. And it shocks us because we've been proud of our police and their integrity. Parliament. And, uh, you know, expenses, scandals, followed by more scandals, followed by more scandals. And people are getting fed up with people in authority who don't have integrity, who've lost what they need for our respect. And, uh, you know, you can look at other governments around the world. It's a cynical world we live in. The Nigerian government, for instance, revealing that they've known for some while where these girls were. You just think, why? Why? Why did you not... What is going on there? And immediately all the cynicism rises up. Who's backhanding who? What's going on? The Pakistani government turning a blind eye to what is barbaric, barbaric behaviour. And the Sudanese government legalising barbaric behaviour. And we just say... What are our leaders doing? Where are we going? So it's good to know there's a God on the throne. It's good to know that there's Father God who rules and reigns. And throughout history, there have been crises like this. You know, it's not a 21st century phenomena. You can go back to Jesus' time and find the same. But there is a king on the throne. And uh, there is a saviour ready to act. And people in this room have understood that and received that, and we know the love of God and the directing of our lives by him. And I just want us to pray now as we start on this series. Let's pray together that we catch again the vision of our families, our church, what we're here for. Let's catch it again. Lord, we thank you that you have led us here. We thank you for one another. We thank you for this church. Now, Lord, open our eyes again. Reveal again, in Jesus' name, what you want to do for your glory. Amen. So today... We're going to start talking about our vision as a church. And there, you know, there are three uh, aspects to this vision. And I'm, we've been very excited as we've been developing this. Um, there are three things. I'll say what they are in a minute. And we are also talking about the culture that we want to have as part of our life here. You know, cultures are different. We've got Marsha here from Russia. 
who lives in a different culture. And so when you go to Russia, you know it's a different culture because you arrive there and it's different. (laughs) You arrive there and you discover that it looks different. People behave differently. People have different values. People have different ways of expressing themselves. It's a different culture. And our church is called to have a culture that expresses God and expresses the character of God. And we'll be looking at those those aspects of what our church culture should be like. So that when people walk in, they say, it's different. It's different here. Because they are impacted by the culture of the church. Not just that we're nice to each other, for I hope we are, but all sorts of things we'll be looking at, which you can see some of them on your sermon card, because that's not them all. Okay, so we want to have a culture that reflects God, that reflects his character, that reflects his love, that reflects his mercy and grace, that reflects his integrity, that reflects who he is. We want a culture like that in this church. And uh, we've been looking at our vision because God's called us to this vision and it's not a gimmicky set of words. You know, we have, when you look through some churches' vision statements and so on, you, you can get very confused and there's all sorts of stuff. But we wanted to keep ours simple and direct so that everybody can understand it and uh, everyone can remember it. You know, we have our three eyes. Our goals are to be international, influential, and integrated. <clears throat> international, influential, and integrated are goals of this church. And these flags represent uh, such goals. Well, we thrashed out these phrases, these three phrases for our vision over some weeks and months now. The elders have been talking about this and we thrash it through for a bit and then we go away and let it sort of swim around in our heads and pray and so on. We get back together and we've done it again. And uh, the last elders away day, we spent a good deal of time on this, thrashing this through uh, and involving other leaders in the church as well. And the interesting thing is that as we've gone on with this, it's like God has confirmed again and again these phrases it's you, you just pick them up you know you just hear them again and again so we have a visitor for training tracks and he just talks about one of these phrases i'm going to tell you in a minute and we have catalyst speakers at one point dom leant over to me and banged me on the shoulder and said are you hearing this? And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm hearing it loud and clear as the speaker repeated our vision statement almost word for word. It's like God's doing it. And then yesterday, I'm talking to my daughter Rachel on the phone and uh, she's telling me that today at her church in Kingston, they are starting a new vision series. And I said, oh, that's interesting, because we are too. And what's your first statement tomorrow? Well, it's the same as ours. And we just 
you just think when that sort of thing happens, wow. By the way, uh, Dave Fellingham will be preaching at Kingston about now on this subject. So, uh, you know, that's, a, that's another little hint. Dave Fellingham will be our speaker at our church week. Don't miss the church weekend. Um, Dave Fellingham brought some awesome interpretations and prophetic words at Catalyst. That just uh, really, I mean, really, you heard God. So don't miss that. So what are these three things then? And why today? Well, why today? Because I'm grateful that Colin shared with me yesterday about uh, something that struck him. That we can lose our sense of dynamic and our sense of moving on together because it's like a cataract in the eye. You know, we, something just films across and makes our forward-looking hazy and sort of muddy, if you like, in catalyst terms. Hazy. Not clear. Because over the years, it's blurred... The vision's got blurred. What, what, why are we here? You know, why, why, what? Why? Who? And so you just get that blurring going on. And sometimes it's through disappointment. Well, I've heard this before, you know. Haven't we reached out for these things before? And you think, well, yeah, we did. Didn't we talk about this years ago? Wasn't there, you know? And so disappointment can come in and can blur our vision. And so today, I'm praying, you catch today a fresh vision for this church. The clarity comes. This week, next week, and the following week, we'll be doing these three phrases from our vision statement. And our vision statement is his presence, our community, their hope. Okay? His presence. That's our vision, that this church is a place of his presence. Now you might say, well, surely that happens every week. Well, yes, in a sense it does. But what we want is something I'll be talking about in a minute, is, is a, a greater presence of God, an impacting presence of God, an amazing presence of God that affects our lives, changes us day by day, that is glorious and powerful and amazing. That's my vision. This, the, this hall be filled with the glory of God. That you come on a Sunday morning and we worship together and the cloud descends and we know God is amongst us. That's, that's what I want to see, don't you? I just, I, oh yes, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. And our community, our community, our church is called King's Community Church and next week uh, Don will be preaching on community and what, what we're to be like as a community of people as a community of Christians, we've talked about family a lot, talking about Catalyst and family. It's family camping at Cap Catalyst. It's the family of the church. Yes, it's a family. It's a community. It's a people together. It's all these things and uh, all the implications of that. And their hope, their hope, people who have no hope, people who don't realise how hopeless they are, people who un don't understand that God can bring life that God can change things. We're their hope. I mean, I know looking at each other, you think, but actually we are 
the hope of the world. God has chosen to work through the church. He's not chosen to intervene in individual cases, although he does sometimes do that, but he's not chosen primarily to do it that way. He's chosen to work through the church, the bride of Christ. God has chosen the church. And of course in England, you might look at the church and think, whoa, if I was God, I'd have chosen some other route. But the grace of God is with us. You know, last night we were at the, Jackie and I were at the vineyard. We had this special invitation. They were recording their, the new vineyard CD, worship songs. And uh, it's a recording session, okay? So you know there's going to be hiccups and, you know, things are going to go wrong. And, and in fact, that's what happened. We had to re, re uh, record several bits but the point is this that even in that setting even there in that recording setting the presence of God came and you would just felt it tangibly it was quite extraordinary even in the middle of some some worship leader Singing the wrong words, you know, and everything has to stop. Even in that, as they re-record that with the right words, twice. And he said, someone shouting in his earpiece, remember the words. (laughs) Even in that, the presence of God was tangible, tangible. It was an awesome evening. His presence. You may have experienced his presence in all sorts of ways. I have. Easter 1958. When? Easter 1958. I felt the presence of God for the first time, I suppose, in my life, really. I, I was in an Anglican church, and they were doing Palm Sunday. And uh, in the midst, I can remember standing at the back of this church as part of the procession, just thinking, wow, whoa, wow, what is that? It's the presence of God. And I'm 10 years old, not even a Christian yet. I remember summer... 1967, listening to people sing in the spirit. First time I'd ever heard singing in the spirit. It was amazing. Just, just in this little prayer group, it was just awesome. I just felt the presence of God all around me. It sent shivers down my spine. I thought, Amazing. God is here in the room. Spring 1968, I was baptised in the Spirit. Wow, what an experience of knowing God in the room. There was an economics conference I went to in 1982. An economics conference, for goodness sake. So I'm in my hotel room and I'm praying 
And it's like God came into the room. It was awesome. And I'm saying, Lord, I I don't want to open my eyes in case I see you. It was like the sound of the rushing wind. I could hear, and I thought, that's the the noise outside. You know, that must be the wind in the trees, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And there was a noise, and the presence of God, and God commissioning me to stand here before you today. The presence of God. Summer 1984. There I am in a conference in California. Nice sunny California. I think I was the only one wearing trousers. And they, they, yeah, they were wearing other things. Yeah. <laughs> and John Wimber calls us pastors to the front. And we're standing at the front. And the presence of God. I mean, you could touch God. That's what it felt like. But the thing was, God touched me. And shoved me so hard in the chest, I couldn't resist. Well, I did. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'll never do that again. Nineteen ninety-four. Oh boy, how many times were we on the floor in nineteen ninety-four? Oh boy. And how many times did God say to me on the floor, I love you, son. And still I didn't get it. Really. Really didn't. You know, isn't it amazing that God loves you? Don't you think? It's absolutely extraordinary that God, the God of the universe out there beyond the blue sky, (laughs) or wherever he is, in the dimension God lives, he looks at us and he loves us as individuals. Isn't that amazing? The presence of God. Various worship sessions. I mean, through the years, there have been times I've been in a church meeting this, this sort of size, and God has just come. And you're just in awe of the King of Kings. The tangible presence of God. When you just know, God is with us. I so loved it at Catus when someone said about a, a healing or something. It's, it's just as shocked as a person healed, you know. Wow, God's really real. God's really real. You know, I've experienced that so many times. You know, the shock of God doing something as you pray and you think, whoa, oh, God's really real. You know, I just, I just know that God is really real. And I want that really real presence of God to be a completely normal thing in this church's life. Yes. Utterly normal. <laughs> so that what is abnormal for us is an astounding presence of God that keeps us here, laid out on the floor if necessary. You know, we used to hear these stories of churches where God came and people just lost a sense of time because they were just so enjoying the presence of God. When the awesomeness of God was there, when the love of God was there, when the power of God was there, and they just lost a sense of time and blow whatever is coming next. We're going to be in the presence of God. 
Talked to a guy from uh, South America once, a pastor, who said, you know, that this happened to them and, and, and uh, you know, the evening meeting people turned up to find the morning meeting people still there. Because the presence of God had so captivated their lives. What a thing to know, his presence. Yeah? So we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah had this incredible vision. Actually, for him, it was a life-changing vision. It was a commissioning vision. You know, I, I had that experience in that hotel room in Sunningdale in southwest London. And this, th- th- this, that was my equivalent of this, you know, really. But we're going to learn some lessons from this. This is what I, I think our vision should be. This is, this, if you like, this is our vision, as well as Isaiah's vision. And we'll look at Acts in a minute as well and catch up with that. So we better press on, haven't we? Chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, just think about that verse for a minute. I saw the Lord. (laughs) Now, for Isaiah, of course, that was something that should have ended in his death. Because you didn't see God and live. Man should not see God and live, God said. And yet, extraordinarily, through the Bible, there are occasions when God reveals himself face-to-face to particular people in the Bible. And we could do a study on that, but we won't. Uh, So here we are, and he's expecting something amazing here. Uh, In the year King Isaiah, I saw that we think he was in the temple. Okay, He's he's in the place where... For their, in their time, in the old covenant time, that was where God dwelt. That was where God was. So he's there in the temple and the, the, the veil is, is, is cast away. The, the, there's a breaking through in his vision, in his, was it a vision? We're not sure whether it's a reality or a vision. doesn't say, actually. Was it a reality? Was it a vision? But that's what it's like when God's presence comes, doesn't it? You see, you know, it's like when you're in a meeting worshipping God like this and you're, you're worshipping God like we do and God comes, you know, you're not sure whether it's in your head or it's a reality. Is that right? You know, there's a, there's a mixture there. Is this my imagination or is this reality? Is this a reality around me? Is other, are other people thinking of this? Have you ever done that in a meeting? Thought, wow, God's here. And you look around and think, other people thinking this? And Isaiah had that sort of experience. Can't really say whether it was a reality in terms of a physical reality or whether it was a vision. I like to think of it as a pretty physical reality, really. He says, I saw. Didn't say I dreamt. It's like John in Revelation. I was in the spirit in the Lord's day. In the spirit on the Lord's day. And his robe, the train of his robe, filled the temple. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He's, the, the, the veil is 
taken away. And what is his, if, he's, if he's seeing this, if he's seeing the veil taken away, what he's expecting to see, what is he expecting to see behind that veil? Do you know? The Ark of the Covenant. That's what he's expecting to see. But he does not see the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark representing the uh, presence of God has been displaced by the actual presence of God. Whoa. This is what he saw. I saw the Lord. Pretty life-changing experience, don't you think? Seeing the God of creation. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So here are these seraphim. Funny things. All wings and mouth. All wings and voice. You know, six wings. Okay? Six wings. Sort of covering them. Funny things. But they have a voice, and with the voice, they praise God. And one calls to another, and just one calling to another causes the foundations to shake. The foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Whoa, (laughs) what a vision. What what, What a presence of God. And so Isaiah hears this voice, just one voice shakes the building. Well, of course, it reminds us, doesn't it, in Acts, Pentecost, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Do you know what the sound of a mighty rushing wind is like? Is it sort of... You know, it's a bit more than... Isn't it? The sound of a mighty rushing wind is deafening. Have you ever heard really strong wind, powerful wind? It's deafening. The sound of a mighty rushing wind. And these tongues of flame arrived in the upper room. Well, what Isaiah heard was the praise of God. That's what he heard. It's a thunderous noise. It's actually the praise of God. And uh, we know that other visions of heaven, the same thing, the thunder, the sound of mighty rushing waters, it says in Revelation, the sounds of people praising God. Whoa. See, when the presence of God is here, we will praise him. When the presence of God is with us, worship is drawn out of us. When the presence of God is here, we will worship like you've never worshipped before. That's what this church is called to. Hatfield needs the place. Hatfield needs a place where the glory of God is. I need to know the presence of an amazing God. 
And so there's this tremendous sound and praise is drawn forth. Verse 5, and I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Here's his cry, understanding. His cry of understanding. There's a contrast. There's a challenge of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. There's a challenge here. God and sin cannot coexist. God and our antagonism and anger against God and our refusal to submit our lives to him that cause sin to abound. This cannot coexist with God. But we know for us, who are born again, for us who know we are children of God, there is no such fear. As Romans 8 says, there is, therefore, because of this great salvation that we know and we enjoy, there is therefore now no condemnation. Hebrews says, let us enter into his presence. What? With? A limp and a look? No, we enter into his presence with boldness. All has changed from Isaiah's day for the people of God. In his day, to see God meant to die. People died in the desert when they rebelled against people. The People died all the time because of their rebellion. And yet now, in our situation, we know salvation that releases us from all debt, that releases us from all that God demands of injustice. Hallelujah. And so the presence of God for us is not woe, is me. For us, it is wonder of my salvation. Because this issue that Isaiah proclaims has been dealt with once and for all. Hallelujah. So the presence of God comes and it does not bring fear to us. It might bring awe to us. And fear is used in the Bible in that way sometimes. But it does not bring fear because we know God loves us. And we know that his eyes are towards us for good and not for evil. That he desires to bless us. And the amazing thing is that here in in Isaiah's vision too, the blessing of God comes. Because what happens next? He says, then one of the seraphim flew to me. Well, that's a bit scary. All those wings flapping about. You know, it's like the bird's gone wrong. And uh, so this seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he'd taken with tongs from the altar. From where? From the place of sacrifice. And he takes this fire, and he takes this burning coal, and he brings it and touches Isaiah's lips with it, and cleanses him. 
Isaiah did not say, oh God, save me. Isaiah did not say, oh woe is me, now God do something. Isaiah didn't say any of those things. Isaiah just said, oh, I am a sinner. And God takes the initiative. And God, without a word, without another word, God sends this this coal, this burning coal, clean, be clean, be cleansed, fire, fire burns off the dross, burns off and leaves the gold. Fire cleanses, fire cleans, fire is that picture. And tongues of fire came upon them at Pentecost. The room was filled with the sound of the presence of God and tongues of fire came. And they were filled with the Spirit. And they worshipped. And Isaiah is in this place where he hears the worship of God. And he's, he's immediately in trouble. But God says, in my grace, in my mercy, I will take the initiative. In my grace, I come to you. I heal you of all your iniquities. I cleanse you. Wow, God is a God who loves to take the initiative with us and cleanse us and leave us refreshed. Why do we want the presence of God? Because we are cleansed again in his presence, because we are refreshed again in his presence, because we are remotivated in his presence. That's why we want the presence of God, because it does us good. (laughs) He blesses. What a wonder this vision is, eh? Don't you think it's great? And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Well, praise God, Jesus has done that for us. That he has been on that altar. He's laid out himself as a sacrifice and he has taken every penalty that we deserved. So we are free to come boldly, as Hebrews says, come boldly into the presence of God. Come boldly. Yes, you might finish up prostrate on the floor because of your awe of God and the wonder of his presence. Or you might not. You might finish up standing on a chair trying to reach heaven. (coughs) There are all sorts of different ways that God affects us when his presence is here. But this is true. We are his sons and daughters. And we have nothing to fear and everything to enjoy. There is nothing like enjoying the presence of the living God. Oh, we want it more, don't we? More, please, Lord, more. In verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. So he's heard the praise drawn forth by the presence of God. The presence of God amongst us will draw forth praise from us. It will draw forth worship from us. What it will also do is what it did for Isaiah as well. You see, God doesn't say, Isaiah, listen to me. Do what I ask you to do with your life, or else. (laughs) See, God doesn't say that. 
God doesn't say anything to Isaiah. Isaiah hears God having a discussion with himself. Like at the beginning of creation when he makes man. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit having a discussion in, in glory saying, let's make earth, let's make man in our image, let's do this thing. And here again, God is having this discussion. Who will go? And the response of Isaiah, because of the presence of God has filled his heart, because the presence of God has come and cleansed him, because he's released by the grace of God and the mercy of God has come to him and he's free. Because he's free, he flings himself into this project of the Christian life. Have you done that? Because the presence of God will stir you to do that. If you're frightened of committing the rest of your life to the directing of the King of Kings, do not come to this church. Do not sit in the presence of God. Do not stand in the presence of God because the presence of God will stir you to follow him. It'll stir you to say, yes, Lord, I give my life to the King of Kings, as Isaiah did, as those guys in the upper room did. There they were out on the streets in a few moments, proclaiming the glory of the salvation through Jesus Christ. Acts 2, Acts 4, Acts 4. They've been, some guys have been persecuted. It's been difficult, been tough for a while. They're, oh God, hear their threats. Listen to their threats. Boom, goes the room. Boom. The presence of God comes. And what do they do next? They preach the word with all boldness. The presence of God comes and sends us. We'll be a sent community because of the presence of God. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. He said, I saw the Lord, here am I, send me. I saw the Lord and the praises of God rang in my ears. And I am cleansed and renewed and sent. Let's worship him.